0: An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Money Talk. Good morning, it's 8.03 on Monday the 20th of February. It's Budget Week here in Hong Kong. A warm welcome to Money Talk on Radio 3. This is Peter Lewis with the day's business and finance headlines. Ahead of the budget on Wednesday, Financial Secretary Paul Chan said more future investment is needed to strengthen Hong Kong's economic recovery, even as the SAR's financial reserves are under strain. In his blog, Mr Chan wrote, the constraints in financial resources wouldn't stop the government from making long-term planning for Hong Kong's developments. Tensions between China and the US have increased over the weekend. U.S.-China relations and the threat posed to European security by Russia's invasion of Ukraine dominated talks at the Munich Security Conference, with both China and the U.S. ramping up the rhetoric. On Saturday, China's top diplomat Wang Yi accused the U.S. of using all its means to clamp down and smear China and is co-opting other countries to do the same, he said. On Saturday afternoon, Wang Yi met on the sidelines of the conference with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Mr. Blinken warned China about the consequences of providing material support to Russia in the Ukraine war, saying such support would have serious consequences for the US relationship with Beijing. The People's Bank of China has made its biggest one-day cash injection into the mainland banking system since records began in 2004 in an attempt to kick economic growth. The PBOC injected 632 billion yuan that's 92 billion US dollars on a net basis on Friday. The China Securities Regulatory Commission said in a statement released late Friday night that it will ease the path for mainland companies to list on overseas stock exchanges. New rules will come into effect on March the 31st to make it easier for firms to raise capital globally. Under the new rules, companies can choose which overseas markets they want to list in but must register their intention with the CSRC in advance. In addition, Companies will also need to get approval from their own industry regulator before listing overseas. And those rules also apply to listings of Chinese companies in Hong Kong. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and David Friedland, Managing Director for Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. With a view from mainland China is Ben Carinder, Managing Director at the China Market Research Group. And as always, here are the ways to get in contact with us. Text 63 93 Email moneytalk at rthk.hk. You'll find us on Facebook, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And we're also on Twitter at Money Talk Radio 3.
1: Money Talk on RTHK Radio
0: 3. On Wall Street Friday, US stocks ended the session mixed ahead of a long weekend in the wake of hawkish comments from Fed officials and more hot economic data in the producer price, inflation and jobless claims. The S&P 500 shed one third of a percent to end the day at 4,079. For the week, it was down a third of a percent The Dow rose 130 points or 0.4% to end at 33,827. But over the five sessions, it slipped 0.1% the third straight week of losses. The Nasdaq Composite fell 0.6% to close at 11,787. However, over the week, it was up 0.6%. The Pan-European Stock 600 index was up 1.4% over the week and the FTSE 100 rose 1.5% over the week, breaching the 8,000 level for the first time ever last week. Hong Kong stocks fell for the third week in a row amid souring US-China relations and with traders worried about the possibility of further US Federal Reserve interest rate hikes following a higher than expected wholesale inflation figure. The Hang Seng Index, it dipped 268 points or 1.3% to 20,720. For the week, the benchmark is now down almost, is down 2.2% and is now down almost 9% since its recent peak on the 27th of January. The tech index tumbled two and a half percent, leaving its losses for the week at 2.4 percent. And on the mainland, the Shanghai composite is 0.8 percent to 3,224. Over the five days, it lost 1.1 percent. Oil prices tumbled on Friday in line with other risk assets. Brent crude oil settled 2% lower for a weekly loss of almost 4% and it's at $83.06 a barrel this morning. Natural gas prices fell for the eighth week out of the last nine, declining almost 9% last week. And closing at $2.28, that's the lowest since September 2020. Copper was the only major commodity to make gains last week, rising almost 3%. Gold was down for the third straight week, falling 1.3% 1. to $1,840 an ounce. US Treasury yields rose last week, hitting the highest in three months. The yield on the 10-year note, which moves inversely to price, climbed seven basis points over the week to 3.82%. And hawkish Fed comments and strong economic data gave a hand to dollar balls on Friday. The Japanese Yen fell 0.4% against the dollar to trade at 134.31. The renminbi declined 0.2% to reach 6.88 in offshore markets against the dollar. The euro this morning trading at $1.07. Sterling fell 0.4% to $1.20 and a third cents and nine Hong Kong dollars and 44 cents. And Bitcoin rallied almost 14% on the week. It's fourth weekly rise in the last six weeks. It tops $25,000 intraday on Friday. That's the highest price since June 2022. This morning it slipped a little and it's trading at $24,300. Asia Pacific stock markets all opening down. Expected to be a quiet day with the US on holiday today. The SX200 is off 0.1%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan has just opened down a quarter of a percent. Stocks have also started trading in South Korea. They're off half a percent. And then in about an hour and 20 minutes time, when Hong Kong opens, the Hang Seng index is expected to lose 150 points. <laughs> Times 810. Let's welcome over in our Queensway studio our regular Monday morning commentator, Alex Wong, director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management. Morning, Alex. Hey, morning, Peter. And also joining us is David Friedland, managing director for Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. Morning to you, David. Morning. Um, tensions between China and the U.S. increased over the weekend. U.S.-China relations dominated talks at the Munich Security Conference over the weekend, along with threats uh, to European security by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Both China and the U.S. ramped up the rhetoric. On Saturday, Wang Yi, who's China's top uh, diplomat, discussed the U.S. decision, uh, dismissed the U.S. decision to shoot down a Chinese balloon flying over U.S. territory as absurd and and, uh, hysterical. And in his speech at the conference, he also criticised last year's U.S. Chips and Science Act, which allocates almost 53 billion U.S. dollars for domestic semiconductor manufacturers in a bid to reduce American reliance on foreign made chips. He said the act didn't reflect fair competition and went against free trade principles espoused by the U.S. That's not fair competition, he said. In fact, it's a million miles away. And also Wang Yi met on the sidelines of the conference with U.S. Secretary of State Ms. Anthony Blinken. He warned uh, China that support for Russia in the war in Ukraine would have serious consequences for the U.S. relationship with Beijing. So, Alex, we've heard some blunt language now um, from both (laughs) sides over the weekend, which doesn't seem to bode that well, does it, for for U.S.-China relations? How do you think markets um, and investors are going to react to that this morning?
2: I think this is a sort of expected, and market actually has been discounting this uh, for for quite some time. So I don't think that it would be a um, that would be a very big a negative impact. But I, of course, I think that this would not be a positive catalyst. But I, uh, the market probably would be still be edging lower on on low volumes. But uh, this is expected.
0: It doesn't seem to be getting any better, does it? Every time they meet, um, there there, there seems to be more sort of angry rhetoric statements afterwards, despite um, both President Xi and President Biden saying in November they wanted to repair relations and put them on the right track. It doesn't seem to be happening.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I think uh, there's there's some 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 good sign that uh, they are they are they are, they have been able to meet during the weekend because uh, this is uh, this is not P R range. So I think uh, there's some some positive signs uh, in this meeting actually. David, can you see any positive signs here?
3: Well, positive is always hard to say. I mean, on one hand, you have them, the offering of uh, overseas stock listings again, which is very positive. Um, but you always see is, we constantly get mixed signals so on one hand they're opening up they're opening up the capital markets where foreigners can invest but on the other hand the um, the rhetoric just continues to increase and i just wonder how much of that is social media related where you know in the us you have a couple of politicians who frankly would would be kicked out of a fifth grade classroom for what they say but they get a platform for mm-hmm. their voice because of their following on social media and i think that drives some of the politics, so hopefully at the top-end level, they recognize that and they just play to the, to the people on the ground. But behind the scenes, there should be better dialogue. Um, I did read that the military lines are not open, which is troubling, but hopefully, step by step, we, we get there.
0: Um, I think it's the benefit of both sides to, to, to make nice. The problem is it's not just the rhetoric, is it? They're both putting sanctions on each other's companies, adding companies to uh, their entities list. China's added two defence uh, contractors now to its entity list. The first time it's sort of activated um, that. It's not. They, they talk about, President Biden says, we seek competition, not conflict with China. But it isn't really competition either, is it? When both sides are putting sanctions on each other's companies. That's not real competition. That's a, it's a good point.
3: Um, I think The competition will come from, I think, more of the social serv- the, um, the service industry, the, the sanctions are really hitting the military side, so hopefully they're minor. So the, the, the firms sanctioned by, by China are uh, the military companies that don't do business in China, and you know, the U.S. is hitting back on uh, those sanctions have been out for a while. I was hoping by now they'd be reduced. But I guess again,
0: it's just time to see, you know it just takes time to get through all this. Yeah. Well, let's move on. There's plenty of other things going on as well. The People's Bank of China made its biggest one-day cash injection into the mainland banking system since records began in 2004. The PBOC offered 835 billion yuan. That's $121 billion of cash via seven-day reverse repurchase contracts on Friday, and that resulted in a net $92 billion um, on a a net basis. The central bank had already pumped one-year money into the interbank system earlier last week. Um, Alex, why why is the PBOC pumping all this liquidity into the banking system, and what is it telling us?
2: Of course, uh, they want to kickstart the economy uh and and, and this thing is telling us that 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 probably the 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 past food is uh, still weak in within the system in China, so that's why they need to pump so much and actually we have already seen a a very huge uh, in uh bang long, uh in in January mm-hmm. and I think that the market actually is uh, lacking confidence. Uh, in the China property market. And, and so that the, the the effect actually is quite quite limited. So that's why they are continuing to pump, mun- uh, system, uh, pump, pump liquidity into this system.
0: So but, we're in a bit of a data vacuum at the moment, aren't we, in terms of economic data from China, not much coming out at the moment. Um, so in the absence of that data, it, should we be taking this as another sign of maybe weakness in the economy?
2: Yeah, I think uh, the economy... Uh, is is uh, is still weaker than expected. Uh, of course, we have seen some revival in manufacturing at- activities. Actually, mm. that probably may happen later. Uh, actually, happen now, and we may see the see the data later on. Uh, but I think that people are still uh, worried about the uh, the impact of the uh, sluggish of property market towards the economy.
0: Mm. David, we should also take this, I suppose, in conjunction. With that um, bank lending data, which showed the uh, new bank lending in China, it rose to a record high um, in January from um, from December. China's banks extended 720 billion dollars in new loans in January 2023. Where, where's all this liquidity going to? That that's, yeah, I guess all the new businesses that have been shut for so long are opening up,
3: and they're getting a lot of small loans and and small businesses reopening and just do it's all going just into the local market. So there's a bit of liquidity crunch from, from all the small loans out there. Um, mm-hmm. From the bigger end, I'm not quite sure because uh, it's definitely not the property sector for now.
0: Yeah, because the consumers just don't want to borrow, do they? they? If anything, they want to pay down their mortgages or pay off some of the mortgages. Yeah, and they have to write the income back
3: so that you know, people are borrowing to, to actually just keep the economy afloat and, and tread water for now. But hopefully with the influx of cash, there'll be more loans, more business, et cetera.
0: How much of a dilemma is the PBOC facing at the moment? Because this is a sort of way of easing monetary policy, isn't it, on the mainland without directly cutting interest rates to inject more liquidity into the system. But at the same time, it's faced with very hawkish central banks in the US and Europe who are rapidly raising interest rates. It's a problem, isn't it? Because if the PBOC um, eases too aggressively, it's going to weaken the yuan, which could then lead to, to foreign capital outflows.
3: And that's probably why they're cracking down further on capital outflows with, with um, you know, the comments on brokerage accounts. Uh, that they're, they're, they're cutting down the, the further cutting down on the local mainland Chinese opening accounts overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is a dilemma. I mean, even Hong Kong is under that same problem where you have rising interest rates in the U.S. versus Hong mm-hmm. Kong. It's easy to put money overseas, earn 4% or 5% interest and on your idle cash or put in some strategies to borrow money.
0: Um, just to, so you can actually earn some better interest. Mm. This is we're seeing this in Hong Kong, aren't we, at the moment, Alex? The carry trade is back, where you sell Hong Kong dollars and then invest in much higher earning um, U.S. dollar assets. That's, that's weakening the Hong Kong
2: dollar. Yeah, yes. Because the hypo actually uh, is surprisingly low, so that's why we, this is happening, and we are seeing this uh, probably may may continue for a while.
0: Yeah. Now, what do you make of um, what the China Securities Regulatory Commission said on Friday night? It's going to ease the path for mainland companies to list on overseas stock exchanges. It's issued some new rules which come into effect at the end of March. Companies can choose which overseas markets they want to list in, but they've got to register their intention with the CSRC in advance. And in addition, they've got to get approval from their own industry regulator before listing overseas. The CSRC will block listings of companies that threaten national security and also those uh, that are under investigation. And these rules also apply to Chinese companies that want to list in Hong Kong. Um, Alex, what do you make of that? Is this now the green light for overseas IPOs
2: to start again? Yeah, of course. Uh, this is a good move uh, for Chinese companies to, to, to go overseas. And But I think uh, probably the choices will be limited. And we're and likely we would see. Um, SOE to go out first because our confidence uh, towards uh, Chinese companies actually is still quite low overseas. We did have one about a week and a half ago, didn't we? We had Heisai Technology, um, which supplies
0: laser sensors to car makers. They they raised about $190 million um, f- from investors um, on the NASDAQ. Well, that was about a week and a half or so ago?
2: Yeah. So so I think uh, we, we, we may still see... Um, more companies to go out but I think uh, uh, this time I think uh, we may still see more SOE to come to go out rather than the private enterprises. How, how do you see this
0: David? Is it going to clear up uncertainties now about um, what type of companies can list and can't? Do you think we have more clarity now as a result of these new rules? I, I think we'll have clarity once the companies actually announce who's going public. R- right mm. now
3: it, you know, the devil's in the details uh, we don't know all the rules they said they have to follow the rules, get all, all the permissions out there. Um, what about the accounting side, Is um, particularly in the U.S.? Are they going to adhere to U.S. accounting standards? If so, I think gradually that will lead to a big influx of, uh, out. well, a new new group of IPOs that could be quite large. I mean, the, the U.S. dropped dramatically um, mm-hmm. in their rankings last year, so they're certainly going to be pushing hard to get some of these IPOs. Hong Kong, obviously, as well. And there's
0: plenty of cash, idle cash out there to invest. Mm. Um, we, we need a couple of blockbuster IPOs though, don't we? A couple of really big ones to signal that maybe, uh, the, the market is back. Cause as you say, it's had a big impact, um, on, on the, the, the volumes of IPOs that we've seen in the, in the U S over the last, uh, over the last year or so. I think, um, they're, they're down about 90%, aren't they? The, the volumes now, uh, yeah. last year compared to the year before.
3: Yeah, indeed. They're, they're, um, it's dropped dramatically, and that obviously hurts everything from investment banking to, to the exchanges and ultimately the economy.
0: Mm. What does it mean for Hong Kong? We're we going to see some of them coming here? Mm, yeah, of course.
2: Well, because uh, Hong Kong still a place to go for them.
0: Yeah. Mm. Do, do you think it does clear up now all the the uncertainties? Are these rules going to be enough? I suppose the the the, the caveat is companies involved in that uh, that threaten national security. That could be a fairly wide, a um, fairly wide catch all, couldn't it? Yeah, there could be several companies caught in that.
2: Yeah, but I think uh, we still need to see the risk appetite to come back, because right now the market is so 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 bad recently. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, this is still a long way to go because uh, you, you hear the rules, but uh, you need to see risk appetite to come back.
0: Okay, let me get your thoughts on the markets then, Alex. I mean we're now three weeks into this correction now, aren't we? in, in Hong Kong? It's sort of extended uh, to nine percent. Since, uh, since reaching uh, the peak. The, the sell-off seemed to accelerate on Friday afternoon for some reason, not yep. totally sure why, but what, what's that telling us?
2: Oh, I think uh, the, 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 the risk appetite towards the internet sectors in China actually is uh, much weaker than expected because we are seeing continual selling pressures towards the bigger caps in, in China, and that is unexpected. And of and, and another thing is that we do not see revival in, in, in interest in towards the property sectors in China, because the pop- developers actually are quite weak, especially those uh, private enterprises. So um, we may not see too much downside from here, because we have been down so much, and I think uh, after last year, the, the market probably may not be too extremely bearish. But I think uh, that uh, probably tell us that the ups- eventual upside will in Hong Kong.
0: Well, we don't seem to see, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about the reopening trade on the mainland, Mm. particularly overseas investors. Um, And obviously we're early into that, but the market doesn't seem to be reflecting a lot of belief in that at the moment. Is it just a matter of time? And as we start seeing, more data come out from China and it becomes clearer that the economy is rebounding. Is that going to help the markets? I think they will
2: help the market later, but uh, only in selective companies. Uh, this time, I think uh, probably people would focus only on consumer names and uh, not the internet names, I think, because uh, if you look at the internet sectors, actually, they had been much weaker than expected and the valuation actually is is, uh, is is not high. So uh, people learn the lessons and probably uh, they would not be too bullish towards that sector because of um, the new um, regulatory environment, so I think uh, that will put some caps on the uh, on on Hong Kong uh, markets later on.
0: David, what are your thoughts about how the the local markets are performing? It's been a good start to the year, hasn't it? Apart from the last maybe three weeks, it's been a decent start. But it, 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 end of the day, I think that the focus now is is turning
3: more towards earnings as opposed to you know crazy valuations of the past. So. Mm. Earnings, earnings seasons, you know, the earnings results will be quite important. Um, I think more so in China, where there's going to be, a, when, once people start visiting, which they're starting to do now, they're going to get up their feet on the ground, see um, for themselves, to do proper research and, and see how companies are doing and see how the economy is doing, and that'll turn
0: things around. And of course, we've got also the other big uh, flight in the ointments, the, the, the threat of further interest rate rises in the US and elsewhere, but maybe particularly from the Fed that's definitely coming um it's as as, um i think it's
3: three 75 basis points uh are starting to be priced in definitely Mm -hmm. the first 25 next month and then 25 thereafter and another 25 um so that that's going to be in the market um inflation doesn't seem to be going away although the drop in energy prices seems to be helping um so that's going to be
0: a challenge on the carry trade where where do you invest your money where do you put your money there's been quite a big repricing, hasn't there, compared to where we were maybe just a week or so ago, where our Fed Fund futures markets are now saying uh, the, the peak, the terminal rate is going to be about 5.3%. That's quite a bit higher uh, than what we were seeing before that inflation data came out.
3: Yes, and there have been some hawkish, hawkish comments from the Fed, which which has obviously guided some of those um, the, the pricing. Um, Inflation, it's a big ship you have to turn around. You can't just do it on a dime. But I I, I think this is, I don't think it's a big surprise because that's what people have been saying from the very beginning, that these are levels that we've had to get to. So I think
0: it's kind Mm -hmm. of priced in and um, the market will stabilize. Alex, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think um, having have risk assets repriced enough, maybe not stocks, have they? Because we've seen this repricing in bonds and with the US dollar in, in light of um, maybe now a more hawkish Fed and maybe three more rate rises and no rate cuts. But
2: stocks haven't really repriced in, in line with that. Yeah, because uh, we got new uh, growth bonds uh, 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 thanks to the uh, Czech uh, GPT. So that's why we are seeing some uh, resilience in the stock market. Uh, and also, I think that uh, people like the banking sectors uh, in the high interest rate environments, and banking stocks actually um, are quite um, strong uh, uh, last Friday. So uh, that's why they limited the downside in the overall market. Uh, so probably we may see uh, a new round of sector rotations. Uh, probably people would uh, go back into semiconductors but not the biggest internet names. Uh, so we probably may see a reprising in the uh, software sectors and the platform, f- platform sectors, but uh, not the overall markets.
0: Hmm. Well, tell me about the dollar, because that inflation report, it, it's rather ruined um, the, this disinflationary theory that people were talking hmm. about in the markets, weren't we? That we were at the beginning of disinflation and it seems to put the dollar back on track now.
2: Uh, it has uh, got uh, some um, uh, uh, support, uh, especially I think uh, the the yen actually uh, has weakened quite a lot uh, last week. So uh, the dollar probably may 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 not fall too much from here, uh, but I I doubt the upside. So uh, very likely we see the dollar to range uh, with uh, some room for recovery, but not too much. David, what are
0: your thoughts about the dollar? It, it's sort of got legs again, hasn't it? Do you think the rally has much left to run? I think a bit more. Um, I I don't know if we're at
3: the peak. Is when you start getting questions from people who don't know about trading, kind of singles a peak. And I've been getting mm. a lot of questions lately. Should I put my money into the state? Should I convert money, in Hong Kong dollars to U.S. dollars and get some interest? So maybe we're at the peak on that, where the retail are, are starting to get heavily involved in moving money to um to the U.S.
0: Yeah, the the thing is though, almost every single piece of U.S. data that we've had in the last week or so uh has come in stronger than expected has not it inflation stronger than expected retail sales uh stronger than expected it it really suggests that uh, and we're going to get us gdp numbers out later this week it really suggests that um the us economy isn't slowing that much in in light of all these rate increases it, it doesn't seem to be slowing down and
3: and um You just wonder how much of this is just the economy getting back to normal with, uh, especially in the service sector. And I I also, I don't have any data on where the real jobs are. Is it all service or is it high end? Because the tech companies certainly are laying off. And I think that's going to be
0: interesting to to see as things evolve down the line. Okay. Well, Alex and David, um, thank you both very much. As you know, this is my final week on Money Talk. So it's been a pleasure speaking with you both over the years on the show. And Alex, you've been with us. Um, as our anchor guest on a Monday now, going back to 2015 when I, when I first started Money Talk. So I really appreciate the time and effort you've given to Money Talk over the years and all your insightful comments on the markets. And, it, and it's been a pleasure speaking with you, with both of you. It's been a pleasure. And I, you, you've been phenomenal and, and, and um, you'll certainly be missed in Hong Kong. Thank you very much. And um, look forward- And looked Money Talk will continue, by the way, next week, so it's not going away. Uh, it will extend to one hour, and there'll be a new roster um, of presenters. Sorry we couldn't get hold of Ben Cavender there up at the China Market Research Group uh, in Shanghai. We were having problems getting through to, to him. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let me give you an update on the markets uh, for this morning. The SX200 in Australia, down 0.2%. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in japan off a quarter of a percent the cosby in south korea down uh, three quarters of a percent and it looks like the hang Seng is going to open about 150 points or so lower uh, when trading gets going this morning i'll be back tomorrow morning on money talk as usual at eight o'clock back chats coming up after the news jim Gordon, mike grouse this morning weather forecast for the day dry with sunny periods maximum temperature is going to be around 23 degrees it's going to be fine and dry with cool mornings in the next couple of days windy on tuesday and wednesday 18 degrees right now and the relative humidity 58 <laughs> percent time's coming up to 8:31. here's carol musgrave with the half hour news
1: the Hong Kong Red Cross is appealing for donations to help people in Turkey and Syria, two weeks after devastating earthquakes killed more than 46,000 in the two countries. While Turkey has now ended rescue efforts in all provinces except those hardest hit, the Red Cross says it still has teams on the ground working in conjunction with the Turkish Red Crescent Society to help the millions of people left homeless. Karen Poon, the head of the SAR's International and Relief Service, told RTHK that the cold weather and aftershocks were complicating relief work.
0: We know that there are still a lot of people living outdoors. On the Turkey side, some of the affected people have been able to move to live with their family and friends that is in the less affected areas. But on the Syria side, because before
1: the earthquake, a lot of the refugees, or of the displaced person is already living in unsafe shelter, temporary tents, and this is very
0: worrying and we are mobilizing all of our support available to the area to help the people who are still living under cold weather.
1: U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has announced a further 100 million U.S. dollars of aid to Turkey following the devastating earthquake after viewing some of the damage from onboard a helicopter. He told reporters it was less about search and rescue and more about recovery and rebuilding.
3: This is going to be a long-term effort. The search and rescue Unfortunately is coming to an end. The recovery operation is on. And then there'll be a massive rebuilding effort.
0: Uh, when you see the extent of the damage that's the number of buildings that have been destroyed, it's going to take a massive effort uh, to rebuild. But we're committed to, uh,
4: supporting Turkey in that effort.
1: The German war film All Quiet on the Western Front has won Best Film at the annual British Academy Film Awards. It took seven prizes overall, including for Best Director. The film Navalny won Best Documentary. The investigative journalist Christo Grozev, who made a large input into the film, was controversially banned from attending the ceremony in London after being told his life was in danger. The film is about the plot to poison Russia's opposition figure. His daughter Daria, speaking before the ceremony, said she was pleased the documentary was doing so well.
2: My father has been doing incredible work for the past
0: 10, 15 years and I'm happy that it's getting recognised and that there is a documentary that's being noticed by the BAFTA, by the Academy members, you know, it's, I'm, I'm just humbled and honoured.
1: You're listening to the news on RTHK.
4: Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. And good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about the decline in Hong Kong's population. Figures from the Census and Statistics Department show that the number of people living here fell for a third consecutive year in 2022, with a net departure of about 60,000, or around 1%, to about the 7.3 million mark. The overall population drop was steeper than the previous year's 0.3% decrease, Also, the birth rate fell to a record low of 32,500 the third consecutive year that there were more deaths than births in Hong Kong. What is driving the population change and what can be done to increase the size of young families? We'll be talking to the experts and also talking about uh, people movement. Immigration, people uh, leaving Hong Kong, people coming to Hong Kong. You can also have your say. You can let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 double three double.